I'm going to open in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. I yield to you right now. Lord, we need you. We need you physically. We need you spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Heavenly Father, we yield to you, Lord. We put on the helmet of salvation, knowing that you have saved our soul. You saved our spirit and everything about us, Lord. We, we gird ourselves with the belt of truth, Lord, that the truth that we don't buy into the enemy's lies and his deception. We put on the breastplate of righteousness, knowing that you have made us righteous with your blood. Lord, we prepare our feet with the gospel, the good news, good tidings, that everywhere we go we can stand firm. Hold fast to your word and the truth and the good things in this life, Lord, that you have given to us abounding in your grace and your word and your spirit. And Lord, we take up the shield of faith. Lord, from that we quench every fiery dart that the enemy comes. He comes in like a flood sometimes to destroy us, to attack us, to hurt us, to make us think terrible things, Lord. And we take up that shield of faith, Lord, and we quench those fiery darts because we believe in your word and we have faith in your word. And Lord, we take above all the spirit, the sword of the spirit, Lord. Oh, we praise you for your very word of God that has come to deliver us, holy spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome, Curtis. And this is Tracy. Um, for some of you who weren't here last week, I think, Brenda, you weren't here, right? Oh, you were? Okay. Oh, okay. I get mixed up. My, I'm like in tax season. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So tonight, we're going to start off... Um, uh, let me just do a little quick introduction for our newcomers, what soul shifting is about. All of us have things in our soul. Our soul is this little chart right here, emotions, intellect, will, affections. And we use these visions to help teach so that we can begin to understand. So all of us have a soul, right? <laughs> we have that. And all of us have wounds in our soul because of things that have happened in our past, whether they were things that happened to us or things that we did or things that were said to us or things that whatever, traumas, all kinds of things have happened to us. They have put wounds in our soul which affect, they affect our intellect, they affect our choices, they affect our emotions, they affect our affections, right? And so in this class, in this ministry, we talk about entering the kingdom life that Jesus had given us, he purchased for us, kingdom life. He said, I've come to give you life and that you might have it more abundantly. And most Christians in the world are caught up in a lot of religion they've never stepped into an abundant life and part of the reason is that they have wounds and spots in their soul the revelation that uh, has come forth out of the ministry through my husband is a lot of these spots are called shame rejection and unforgiveness and because of that these things trigger in us we can ha have a a smell, a sound, somebody can say something, we can be somewhere and all of a sudden have emotions that we have no idea where they're coming from. We can have anger that shows up. We don't know why did that show up in me or why was I afraid all of a sudden, you know, if somebody had me walk on stage, why was I full of fear all of a sudden? If I've been on stage 300 times and then boom, out of nowhere, what's going on? 
And so that's what this class is. We investigate. We're like little investigators. We have a magnifying glass, and we shine into the soul. And really, we don't do it. The Holy Spirit does it through you because everybody is here to help yourself. Like there's a scripture that says, Physician, heal thyself. So we are here to turn ourselves over to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, help us uh, heal our souls. And so we have these little viruses. They pop up. We don't know where they come from. And so what the first steps in soul shifting is to sift. We do a lot of sifting because that is what makes us aware. When we become aware of a problem and where it came from, we've almost, we're nine tenths there at getting the whole thing removed from us. We're not here to learn how to cope with our things. We're not here to, to mentally figure it out. Uh, we're here to be free, totally free once and for all of the stuff that has held us back. Amen. So that's what Soul Shifters is about. As we do this, we do a little sifting. It brings things to the surface. And then when we find something that we go, oh, I, I know I have a weakness here. There's something there I need to work on. Then we get really excited. So one of the things that um, we teach in this class, if you're out there and something triggers in you, let's say that you come across a woman at work and all of a sudden her tone and, and something about her just makes your skin crawl. You just feel like, I can't deal with this person. You know, they are threatening to me. I don't know what it is. Well, when you become aware of something like that, then you, that's when we ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, show me where this came from because I need to work with this person. I need to love this person. I need to go forward with this person. Show me what's in me that's repelling at, at that. And it could be that you've had problems with your mother. It could be that you had problems with your father. It could be that you had problems with uh, an ex or whatever, that these things are triggering something inside of you that never got dealt with. We are the master stuffers. I'm a master stuffer. <laughs> and I've been stuffing things all my life. And, I, and I've been able to put on a good facade, a good mask. You know, I know how to paint my face. I know how to put on all kinds of masks. And so I've been a master at that. And yet things were hidden inside of me and they would keep popping up in relationships with people. Um, different things would just show up. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Why am I, why is it hard for me to love somebody? Really love. Why is it hard for me to love a stranger? Why is it hard for me not to let people close? Why is it that I have all these fences and defense mechanisms? Where's all this coming from? Because that is not the life that Christ paid for us to have. He paid for us to be free, totally free. So each week we go through a little sifting, and then every now and then we do a little complete shift out of nowhere, and the, all this is led by the Holy Spirit. And then we do a little lifting, just coming above everything. So tonight, we're going to just start off with this word about doing. Should we focus on who we are, or should we focus on what we do? God created both. He created the who we are. And we've done a lot of talking here about our identity 
and most people have an identity of crisis because they really don't know who they are. They don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know what they're here for. Who am I? Why am I here? What am I doing? They don't know. So we've done, we've had a lot of discussion about who we are, but he created us with the who and also created us with the ability to do. When I first started this program, I asked everyone around the room, who are you? And most people gave a wonderful answer, but the world out there, a lot of people will give an answer like, oh, I am a doctor or I'm a teacher or I'm a mother. They identify with what they do rather than who they really are without all those things. But tonight we are going to talk about doing. What you do affects the life and the quality of your soul just as much as your thoughts and words. In this um, class, we talk about our soul. We are here to heal our soul, to protect our soul, to cleanse our soul. And one of the things that, um, that we've gone over in this class is that the soul can be healed through worship. Worshiping God, when we focus on Him and look to Him, and we literally soak our soul, our mind, our will, our intellect, just soaking all of our soul into the worship of the perfect God, the one who is perfect love, then it begins to heal us. We've talked about the glory light, the glory light of Jesus. There's scriptures that talk about this glory light and how it has healing in its beams. I had this little um, spot right here uh, for like a year. It was like a little spot that just wouldn't heal. And I, and I really didn't think anything about it. I kept thinking, it's, it's going to go away. And then it kind of got a little bigger, and I didn't, I'm like, what is this, you know? And so I finally thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of this. And the only thing I did, I went to the Lord in prayer. I said, Lord, I just apply the glory light of Jesus now. We're focusing the healing light beams of his glory right now on this, and it disappeared in a day. And this thing had been here for a year. And it was like one of those little things you just, you know, you weren't really thinking it was a problem, but in a day, it disappeared. The skin's completely perfect. So the glory light of Jesus, when we just meditate and focus on him and the scriptures that talk about the glory light, the healing and the light, when we focus on that, it, it literally can bring healing to our body. It can bring healing to our soul. So we've actually uh, showed in the past where these wounds in our soul are actually physical condition that looks like black trees, and now they are there, and they are affecting our body chemistry. They're affecting uh, hormones and opening uh, chemicals, and there's little doors in our cells that are opening and shutting all the time. And these little black trees that are in our soul, these toxic thoughts, are affecting our very body. Well, you can focus on scriptures about the glory light of Jesus and just envision that affecting that dark, toxic thought, and it will cleanse, it will pull down that tree. We've talked about um, how Dr. Caroline Leaf has proven about these neuro 
toxic thoughts and the, and the effect that they have. And that if we just do seven, 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 21, 21, 21, that if we take a word of God about that toxic thought, if it's something like fear, that we have a toxic thought of fear, and we take one word of God that says he has given me uh, not the spirit of fear, but of power and truth, a sound mind. If we just focus on that one word, and we did it seven times a day, and we did it for three sets of 21 days, for a full 63 days, that that literally breaks down that negative thought, that tree, the physical thing, it literally breaks it down, and it grows a new tree in, in a matter of 63 days. We can completely annihilate a toxic thought and replace it with the good thought. The Word of God always talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what we do. We are being transformed by the very Word of God. And um, I call that seven days, seven, 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 21, 21, walk in the poodle. Because little Charisse had me a little picture of a little girl. And those... uh, Every time you say the word of God, you say the the uh, the positive thought with the word of God that it literally releases a chemical, a little hormone that looks like a little white poodle. <laughs> so I call it walking the poodle. So anyway, I just wanted to go over some of those things and, and the, down the road we'll go back and we'll review as we go some of the things we've gone through. So what we do is affecting our soul. Our soul can be perfect. And the word says, be ye therefore perfect. It's possible. The word says we go from glory to glory to glory. You see, when we bring Jesus in our heart, we're like that second man up there. Jesus comes in. The light of the world comes into us. The light of all glory, the one who has paid a price for us with his love. When he comes in, then we work out our salvation by removing the residue of the fall of Adam. Because when Adam fell, the curse came. And the earth was cursed and so was man. But we remove the residue by going from glory to glory. We go to glory to glory by being transformed in our minds. Amen. So we're able to rise above the toxic negative stuff and think like Christ. Because the word says we can have the mind of Christ, that we do have the mind of Christ. He's in our spirit. And now we have to work him out through into our soul. Amen. You were created for a purpose, something to do on this earth, just as Adam and Eve. God blessed Adam and Eve, and then he told them to have dominion. He told them to manage it, cultivate it, tend to it over the earth, and be fruitful and multiply. So when he first created Adam and Eve, this was a perfect world. It was, it was, there was no sin. There was no curse. There was no sweat of the brow, no toil of the earth. There was no pain in childbirth. There was no pain. But when man fell with one disobedient act, the curse was released and it just spread everywhere. Now we're here. Jesus has come to undo that and he came to do it. But most people don't know how to receive the blessing. They don't know how to come out from under the curse because they're stuck. Amen. So we get unstuck. Okay. I like to use a lot of little quotes The world needs dreamers, and the world needs doers. But above all, the world needs dreamers who do. Because what good is it to sit around and dream all day if you don't 
do something about it. Amen? All right. So God is, here's another quote by Mr. Uh, Fuller. God is a verb, not a noun. Isn't that neat? God is a verb. He's an action word. Amen? Doing. Our Heavenly Father is always doing mighty works. In Romans 8, 28, it says, We know that God is always at work for the good of everyone who loves him. They are the ones that God has chosen for his purpose. Philippians 2, 13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. We are made in the image of God. Does God expect more from us than just going to church or studying our Bible and praying? And the answer is yes. He expects more. Amen. But he is always at work and he is at work in us. You see, we have God in us. Amen. We are we came from him and he's in us and he is always at work. So 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 18, this is out of the message. It says, repeat these basic essentials over and over to God's people. Warn them before God against pious nitpicking nitpicking, which chips away at the faith. It just wears everyone out. Concentrate on doing your best for God. Work you won't be ashamed of and laying out the truth plain and simple. I like that word about laying the truth out plain and simple. Stay clear of pious talk. That is only talk. Words are not mere words, you know. If they're not backed by a good, godly life, they are accumulate. At, they accumulate as poison in the soul. Often there is more talk and not enough action. Okay, now we actually harm our soul when we do a lot of talking and a lot of nitpicking and looking around, uh, pointing our fingers at everyone else that should be doing everything else. It actually causes a wound in the soul and when we do a lot of talking and we don't follow up with action it causes a wound in our soul our soul gets toxic as it is poisoned and accumulates words with no action to back them up this literally creates a type of stress And I I know I read this somewhere, but I don't remember where. But the accomplished task list is like an undercurrent of stress. In fact, I read somewhere that this is one of the biggest stress causers that there is. Isn't that something? Just the stuff that you don't ever get around to. That it literally is like this undercurrent of stress that's always operating in your life, in your body, and in your soul. So... We want to we want to look at that. We want to look at what's causing us not to take action. What's causing us not to do what we know to do is right. What's causing us to be stuck? Okay? All right, here's a quote by uh David Allen. He wrote a book called Getting It All Done. Now I tell you, sometimes I feel like how am I ever going to get it all done? 
But then I call on to Jesus. I'm like, Lord, give me strength and give me the ability to find the right things to do first. Amen. And get those things done. So anyway, a lot of people get overwhelmed, though, and they find themselves paralyzed. How many of you have felt that? You just got paralyzed. You're so overwhelmed and you just don't know what to do. You're just paralyzed. Amen. And we don't want to be that way. We want to be overcomers. He says, just taking the next step of what you already know to do increases productivity and your ability to make things happen. Impacting your thoughts with a rise in self-esteem and a constructive outlook of life. I know, you know, like when I was in college, I would just get completely overwhelmed. I was working three jobs, you know, living on 15 minute naps. And, you know, I would have all this, these assignments that I had to get done and I would just get completely overwhelmed and not know like, what do I do first? What do I do next? You know, but here's the thing. And I would spend time being overwhelmed. (laughs) It's like, I've spent an hour just trying to be overwhelmed. I'm like, you know, so here's the thing I learned. I did learn this is that I just started doing something doing one thing, if I just get that done, that one little thing done, it's amazing. It causes a momentum like a snowball. And then all of a sudden, it's amazing. You you lift your head up and it's like, wow, how did all that get done? But it does. Amen. So we want to we wanna look at what paralyzes us. Now, I have, I get to play today because I'm the teacher. So I have a little drawing for y'all. And I like to be a kid every now and then. I am really a kid at heart. And so this is my fun. This is not like work, my work stuff that I do. Okay, now y'all are all getting a picture. And it's of, I'll, I'll give you a clue. It, it, there is an animal there. And let's look at it. Miss Charlena, and here you can pass the rest of them out. Let's look at it. Because we can tell, all right, we can tell there's a there's a little uh, tree. It looks like a palm tree. Maybe some water back here. So maybe this is an animal at the beach, right? So we're like, what? what is this? We don't know. We're looking at something that it's like, I don't know what that is. All right? Now, before y'all start doing anything, don't do anything, how many of you would actually start doing this, finding the number one? How many of you would go at it with number one? Okay, then y'all are like our emeralds. And, and if you stay around this ministry a little bit, we have what we call gems. And er, so emeralds are like your accountants. They're the ones who are organized. They like things matching. They like their closet organized. They like an order to everything. They talk in the matter of processing and analyzing. And that's, so your accountants are, are emeralds. And then we have the, the, uh, the rubies are the entrepreneurs. They're the people who run companies. They're the people who get things done. They love a challenge. They love money. And then you have the, uh, the pearls. They're the, they're the tree huggers. Let's save the whales. And they'll work harder than anybody, and they'll do more than anybody. 
And they're the ones who get usually the most abused. And then we have the sapphires. The sapphires are people that want to play. They just like, where's the pizza? They're always late. Where's the party? You know, they just want to have a ball. It doesn't matter. They could care less about numbers. They could care less about time. They just, just let's have fun, you know, party. That's sapphire. So anyway, if you start, if you would start with number one, you have a high emerald. And so we all have little pieces of these gems. And, um, but, you know, a sapphire would never start with one. They would just start trying to draw. They wouldn't even look at the numbers. In fact, they would just start drawing lines. So we all, (laughs) so we have different ways of approaching this, but why am I bringing this up? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it up for a reason. We're going to talk tonight about connecting the dots. You don't have to know all things about yourself. You don't have to know everything about others. You don't have to know everything about God. And you don't have to know everything about anything to create change. Your identity is that you are a child of God. There's just a few things. If you just know a few dots in your life, okay, you can create change in your life. You're a creator like your heavenly father. So we have God in us and we are creator like our heavenly father. We only need to know a couple of things. You remember when I read that word about keeping it simple and plain? So we don't have to know all the dots. We're always creating with our thoughts and our words and our actions. And here's another point. I heard somebody talking uh, last week or so, and they said, just believe God. And I thought, what an awesome revelation. You know, we're always talking about, well, if I could just believe, if I could just have enough faith, then this could be done and that could be done. And, and, but you know what? Hey, it's just a great thought. Let's just believe God. If God said it, let's believe it. Let's take a chance. Let's take a R-I-S-K and actually believe what God says. God says we're his child. God says we're, we're like him, that we're made in his image, that we're like his like the Heavenly Father, that we, we are creators. Amen? So you are now who you most wanted to be, challenges and all. So did you know that you have literally created your life? One of the things that we talk about in this class is that many, many years I felt like I was a victim. And I had a victim mentality. I had a victim perception. I, I saw the world through a victim color. Everything made me a victim. And it was later on when the revelation came, when I realized that there was a part of me that was literally needing to be abused. Now, I know this sounds wild, and until you understand about spiritual things and about demonic forces, there are demonic strongholds, which are what we call demonic strong patterns of thinking. They're very negative They're very destroying. They're strong, demonic patterns of thinking. Now, these patterns, you can call them demons. You can call them critters. I call them critters all the time, but they need to be fed. And so there was something inside of me because of some sort of abuse that happened when I was a child that needed to justify who I was. In my eyes, I, st- I still saw myself as a victim. And there was a part of me that needed to say, yes, 
I'm, I, I am supposed to be abused. Of course, that's what always happens to me. You see, there was a part of me that needed to justify a belief because beliefs are very powerful, and we will hold on to a belief before we'll make a change. Why? Because change is scary, a real change. To really believe that you're really not a victim or you're really not this or you're really not that, that is so uh, unearthing when you have lived your whole life with a strong pattern of thinking. To literally think differently is the most scary thing in the world because change is is scary because there's something comforting about being familiar even with our pain even with our hurt, even with our abuse, even with our negative thinking, whatever it is, there's something that's comforting and justifies itself because, yes, that belief is true, and we create over and over through different relationships, through different circumstances, we literally are creating that for us over and over again. So it's different faces, different people, different places, but it's the same story. And so you will hear uh, a young girl, a young wife that's been abused, you will hear that she ends up from one marriage to another to another in abusive relationships. Why is that? Because there's something in her that's still crying out to be justified. This is who I am. I'm a victim. I can't help it. Nobody can help me right? And they want to hold on to it. And you think, no, that's crazy. I don't want to hold on to that. But it's true because there is a, it's happening at a subconscious level because to make a change is more scary to actually believe that you can truly be loved by somebody else. It's the most frightening thing in the world to really believe it when you've had this strong pattern of thinking because that's what you think is nobody loves me. My life is hard. It's always going to be hard. And I've gone through, you know, all this junk. And for you to really make that change is is fearful, right? Okay. I, I can say this because I've lived it. I've lived it. And you can be free. You can actually change, reinvent. So when I say this here, you are now who you most wanted to be, challenges and all. Because that seed, everything that's happened to us, every negative word, every negative action, every negative experience has, is a seed that is planted in our soul, in our heart. And that seed has to be fed. It wants to grow. It wants to be watered. It's just like Jesus talked about it all the time. He said there will be the, the, uh, the, good, the good seed, the wheat and the tear. The tear is the, the uh, weed. He says the wheat is the good seed. The, the tear, the weed, he says they grow up together. So all along we're going through life and we're trying to get it right. We've got the good seed growing. Yes, there are good things. There are good uh, things that have been spoken to us. We've made good choices. There are a lot of good word that's gone into us. Good seed, but at the same time, there was weeds. There was bad seeds that were going in, and those things grow together. So the good gets strong, and the bad gets stronger. 
It's like they just keep growing together. But there's a time when the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the King of Glory is ready to come in and burn up the, the weeds, burn up the shaft, burn up everything that is wrong. But you got to be ready. And you make the choice to submit to his purification process. It's not an easy thing. It's not always easy. It takes deliverance because when you've got strong patterns of negative thinking, you literally have a demon who wants to be fed and he wants to hold on to what that belief is, right? All right. So when I tell, when I say that, you everything where you are right now, that you have actually been part of that choice. Um. Some of this can be enlightening. It can set you free. One time I wondered, you know, I was like, so did I choose not to know my biological father for till I was, you know, I met him at 19, but didn't really know him till I was 30 something. Did I choose all that? Did I choose to be born like that? And I really got upset about that when I found out about it because I felt like, how could I be born from sin? you know, from something awful, and it, it hurt me. But you know what? Down the road, when I was able to minister to my biological father, and he was able to come out of a depression, I was like, Lord, I did choose this. I thank God. I just got on my knees and I cried. I said, thank you, God, that you brought me into the world because you used me to help heal him. And it was awesome. So I just, I just all of a sudden realized, you know, in the throne room before I ever came down in this earth, we had a discussion. And that was part of the plan. Everything that we've ever been through is part of the plan. And you were on board in the discussion. <laughs> you were there. You think, wow, that's just weird. That's wild. But it, I believe this with all my heart because as time goes, the more I'm convinced this is true. Amen. And there's scriptures. The Lord says he knew us before he ever formed us in the womb. Well, if he knew us, then we obviously had conversations. <laughs> and we also, and, and we obviously decided what, what was going to be written in the book. There's scriptures that talk about it's written in the book in our lives. Our lives are written in a book, but there's Satan, who's the adversary, who does not want to see your life unfold as it's supposed to be, the plan of God. He is doing everything he can to stop you from stepping into your destiny, from, from fulfilling everything that was written. Amen? But we have, we have the upper hand through Jesus Christ, right? We're talking about connecting the dots. Oh, okay. Here's the thought. Some thoughts, some dots we need to forget. Amnesia or the ability to forget, uh, forget ignites passion and inspires dreams and explodes the adventure. So amnesia is a gift. So the fact that I don't remember when I was in heaven, what it was all talked about is a gift because now it gets to unfold in this world. So I'm like, well, this is an adventure. This is exciting. I don't know what the Lord's, what we're going to unfold next. And I don't remember anything that was discussed before. 
So think about this in movie theaters. I love movies. That's like my favorite thing because I love popcorn and movie. And you know, But the neat thing about a movie is you're in a dark room. Everything else is blacked out. And you're, you have this big screen in front of you, and you're completely consumed into the story. I don't know about you, but I get completely consumed. I'm in that movie. I'm experiencing everything in that movie. So there's something wonderful about that ability to shut everything else out, right? That's what makes it exciting, is that we can be totally focused. So the greater the degree that you forget who you were, the greater, greater the ability to become who God wants you or who you will be. Let you go free. Now, when I say the word you, y'all remember my little video about the ghouls, the two ghouls? <laughs> there was two little ghouls talking, and they're like arguing with each other, and, and one's telling the other one, uh, one's trying to defend the master, that master loves them, and that they're... Um, taken care of now. Master takes care of us now. And there's this one little ghoul. If it weren't for me, you'd be dead and whatever. It's because of me that this uh, blah, blah, blah. So we've learned in this ministry that when we're saying I, me, or my, that there's a part of us that in the end with the two ghouls, when the one little ghoul said, Master takes care of us, and then he said, Now you go and leave me alone. And then the one other ghoul, the, the negative ghoul, left. Well, all of a sudden he realized he was still there. It was all happening inside of him. <laughs> so he had the good thought and the bad thought, and they, these were two entities truly going on, two personalities that were, that were talking and warring against each other. So when I say you, then we have the you, which is the negative us, the negative, the ghoulish one who's always thinking and saying and acting and doing the negative stuff. And we have the you that's been sanctified, purified, washed by the blood, who's stepping into Christ with a transformed mind, right? We have the new you. We have that one. So when we are able to let go of the old, forget the old you, then we're, we have the ability to become who God wants us to be, the new you. And you is just semantics. Some people say you, they talk about the flesh, they talk about being carnal, but there's you that's a spiritual you. You're just as much a spirit as you are flesh and blood. Amen? So we have the spiritual you that's part of us. We have the old you. And we want to let the old you go free. In Philippians 3.13, it says, No, Christian brothers, I do not have the life yet, but I do one thing. I forget everything that is behind me, and I look forward to that which is ahead of me. So he does one thing. He doesn't do, you know, he doesn't talk about, oh, yes, I study the Bible 24 hours a day. I've studied every scholar. I've been to every theologian school. He just said, I do one thing. One thing. I put the past behind me, and I look forward. Now, we do, in Soul Shifters, we, we become aware of the past because we need to transform something into the new, right? And we invite the Holy Spirit to come in and revive us, revive that experience, heal us, 
wash it with his word, transform it to set us free. And then we move forward, right? Amen. All right, so some dots we need to forget. What dots are you focusing on? James one twenty five. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. What is that perfect law? That's the word of God. Every time we look into the word of God, it's like a mirror. It's going to show us something about ourselves. But it's going to show us Jesus. And the more we look into the word of God, it's like we're looking into the mirror, the face of God. We become like him because what you focus on is what you become like. Right. So it says, um, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So the word talks uh, some and there's another scripture I'm not sure where it is but it says you know it's like somebody looks into a mirror and they see themselves and then they go about and go off and they totally forgot but what we do is we look into the word of God and we look into the God who loves us Jesus and that's like the mirror that we see as we change we're being transformed and then it says we continue in it we have to continue meditating on the word day and night that's what Dr. Caroline Leaf proved, that if we will continue meditating on a word seven times a day, seven, uh, 20, 21, 21, 21, total of 63 days, that it literally changes the physical uh, thing in our brain. So that's why we want to continue in the word of God, right? says, but whoever catches a glimpse, this is the message out of the same scripture, 125, but whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye. Whew, I'll tell you, I've had some revelations before. One time I was walking up the stairs and I had a basket load of laundry. I'm walking up the stairs and all of a sudden I was in an eternal place. I don't know how I got there. I wasn't even thinking on anything, but all of a sudden I was receiving revelation from God and he was talking to me about time and he was explaining things about time, how it was moving faster because there was so much momentum, how we have more time behind us than we had in front of us into the new age, the new world age that would come, a new age that would come. And the new age may not be anything like what we, you know, what some people may think. It may not be that this world's going to explode and we're going to have, it could be just the new ages that our, our minds, our souls are completely free. Wouldn't that be a new age? Yes. Amen? Wouldn't that change the earth yes. as it is? So, however, I never, I never put God in a box. I'm like, I don't want to put him in a box. I don't want to have an idea. But he did tell me about time. And he said how everything was accelerating. And I, then a whole lot more he downloaded, and I couldn't hold on to it. Because the next thing I knew, I was sitting on the bed, and it was like holding, it was like trying to hold on to something as the flesh was coming back to my mind. It was hard to hold on to the revelation. But I was able to hold on to just little glimpses of it. But it's there. It's in my spirit. So when the time comes that I need that revelation, the Lord will ignite it in me, right? So I love that where it says, even out the corner of your eye, do you know that just a little, I mean, it's kind of like, 
It's kind of like, you know, when you're trying to think of somebody's name and it's on the tip of your tongue and it's right there. It's like right there. We can't quite grab it. Well, I'm telling you, if you get any revelation, even right there, it's going to have an impact on your life, even out of the corner of your eye and sticks with it. No distracted scatterbrain. It, it is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. What's he, what is he saying? He's saying if you will act on what the Lord shows you, the simplest thing, if you will act on it, it, it helps that continuing, right? And remember how I told you how when we don't act on things, it actually damages our soul? right? So we want to protect our soul. We want to act. If we act on anything that the Lord is showing us immediately, then it begins to heal the soul. It, it, it stabilizes, it fertilizes the good seed, right? Here's a quote by Occam's Razor. Now this is William Occam. He lived in the 1300s. He was an English Franciscan friar uh, scholastic philosopher and theologian. Anyway, he came up with these principles for solving things. And one of the things he came up with is of two or more competing theories, the simpler theory is most likely the correct. Wow. So this is just an idea that, you know, hey, keep it simple, stupid. You might be on the right track. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like keeping life simple. And in, what is that? That's like Ackman's razor. What's the razor? Cutting away the fluff. Cutting away all the junk, cutting away all the chatter, cutting away all the noise, cutting away all the stuff that doesn't matter. So life is not hard. It is knowable. Hey, it can be simple. The mechanics of how it all works is an absolute thing. The word of God, Jesus, is the absolute truth, the way, the life, the light. He's either who he said he was or he isn't. He said he was these things. He is either it or he is a liar. And so what, what did we say earlier? We said, hey, let's believe God. Let's just believe God. He is. So the word of God, cut away the fluff, stop the noise, stop the chatter, connect the fewest of dots. Did you know that you can even begin to see this picture just by connecting a few dots? You don't have to know all the dots. You don't have to do it all at one time. Dump all the religious jargon. We don't need religious jargon. We don't need religion, right? We're in a relationship. The person, Jesus, he is who he said he is. And when we know him, we've invited him into our heart and asked him to renew our minds, renew our souls, fill us with his spirit, with his love, that he does it because he says, ask and it shall be given. Knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. It's that simple. All right, connecting the dots. So we don't connect more dots than necessary. Example. I'm just going to give you an example because we do tend to clutter our lives with a whole lot of stuff. If I were to say today is a happy, it's a beautiful day, and we just absorb that today is happy and today is beautiful now, see how beautiful that is. It's so simple, right? So we're confident. We have a grip. We've got traction on that thought. Today is happy. Today is beautiful. I can hold on to it. 
It's got traction. I got a grip on it. Right? Mark 10, 14, 16, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, truly. And when the Lord says truly, he's saying, hey, this, pay attention to this. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will, who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on them and blessed them. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying connect the dots. Keep it simple. The kingdom of heaven is like if we, we receive it like a child. And you know how children are? They just completely trust. If their daddy says jump, they just jump. They just trust, right? When did we change? When did we lose that? Being the child. For this is how we enter in the kingdom of heaven. Just believe God. Trust him. Connecting the dots. Now here's an example. I'm going to show you how easy this can change. Today is a beautiful and happy day. I tell you why it's a beautiful and happy day, because this is the calm before the storm. So well, I better batten down the hatches. I got to go get supplies. We're fixing to have a storm. You see how it just, just shifted? I better, I better go get ready. We're going to have a storm. I need to call people. I need to let them know. What happened to today? Is a happy and beautiful day. Or here's another example. This is a beautiful day because, hey, I didn't curse somebody out on the freeway when they cut me off in traffic. God is rewarding me. Now, now I'm, I'm bringing some sort of judgment in. I got all kinds of judgments going on. Today, so I'm, in, I'm incorporating other stuff. So judgment's entered in, Right? There is a notion that he or she that connects the most dots has all the answers and closer to the truth or they're closest to God. But is that true if we look at it? When Jesus said, come as a little child, they don't have all the answers. They don't have it. They just trust. They just trust. Jesus is the one connection we need. He is the love dot that completes the picture. He's the dot that we need in our picture. Do you feel that you have that you have to connect all the dots or have all the answers in your life before you've moved forward? Do you feel like that? You've got to reason through your intellect. You've got to have it all figured out before you make a step, before you move forward. Are you overwhelmed with trying to connect all the dots? Do you get overwhelmed trying to figure out all the dots? Do you know a lot of our dots are just, why? Why? <laughs> why did that happen to me? <laughs> My daughter's laughing at me. So, are you overwhelmed trying to connect? Do you let other people connect your dots? 
in life or even project their own dots in your life picture. Are you letting somebody else put dots in your picture? Here, you need to do this and do that. You should be like that. I'm con they're connecting your dots. Oh, okay, okay. And you have people that want to put their dots in your picture. There are people that will project their junk onto you and accuse you of their junk, right? They project their stuff and say, it's you. You're this and this and that, but they're actually seeing themselves, right? <laughs> we, we deal with all kinds of people, right? And we are those people sometimes, right? Don't we do that sometimes? We project our stuff onto somebody else. Okay. Are you living with a, are you letting other people connecting the dots of your life? Are you living, are you living other people's notions about life and their dots of truth? So we have a lot of people speaking into our lives, right? Are you living other people's truths rather than your truth that, that has been revealed to you in God's word? Truth that you've come to know is truth that's in the word of God? Are you giving other people your power in life as they project their thoughts onto you? Are, you, are they dotting up your life? <laughs> are you a micromanager of all these dots? <laughs> <laughs> so these are questions what areas in your life do you want change we use the word of God to find our dots you see we can have dots that have been put into our life they've been put there by other people they've been put there by other thoughts they've been put there through all kinds of things but what we have to do is we have to go back to the word of God because that's the truth the God who loves us has got the right dots. He's the one who wrote the book that we sat in heaven with and we discussed. Amen? We have to let him give us the dots. We just need to believe God. Connect what seems to be the most insignificant dots. Okay, so as God gives you a truth, it could be something as simple and you may think it's totally insignificant. I'm sure somebody has testimony uh, that they could get, give where they felt by the Spirit to do something that seemed very insignificant, and it turned out to be a life changer for somebody else. So connect dots, even if they're most insignificant. insignificant. Give it even the least in bit of effort. So when I say that the Lord gives you a little truth, a little revelation, it could be that today is a happy day. Today is beautiful. Then take that and, and met, let it get a grip on you and continue in it and then act on it, right? Spontaneous enlightenment, enlightenment will follow even the simplest of truths. One simple truth can enlighten everything. It will create enlightenment in your life. Here's um, in this picture what I did is I didn't start with one, but I connected a few dots. And do you see how we don't have to have all the dots figured out? And we can already see just by doing a few things 
You can tell what that is, right? Yeah, it's a rhinoceros, right? So we didn't have to have it all figured out, but yet the plan was revealed. It unfolded. It came about. And that's the whole thing completed. Did anybody guess who that it was a rhinoceros? An elephant? Yeah. <laughs> Even after you do it. See how we can be so like uh deceived? Okay, here's a this is by Theodore Roosevelt. He says I dream of men who will take the next step instead of worrying about the next thousand steps. Keeping it simple. Taking the next step. Taking the next step. When did we stop doing that? You know, when we're young and we're children, we're babies. We're so eager. We see somebody walking and we just, it's natural. We start doing it. It doesn't matter how many times we fall down. We don't we don't fall down and go, Oh gosh darn, I'm never gonna walk. We never do that. Our parents don't go, Oh, they fell down, it's over. This kid's never gonna make it. They're never gonna walk. Ride a bike, anything else. We don't do that. When did we lose something? When did we stop? What's in our soul? that caused us to stop taking the next step, that caused us to stop dreaming, that caused us to stop looking forward. When did we stop? I love that picture. I look for them. I do this every Monday. That's what I do. Doing Isaiah 58, 6 through 10. I love the Word of God, so I have to keep continuing and bringing us back. It says, Rather is not the fast which I choose to undo the bonds of wickedness, to tear to pieces the ropes of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and break apart every enslaving yoke. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from the needs of your own flesh and blood, to tear to pieces the ropes of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free. My my husband has this vision that we have here in the ministry. I don't see that one up, so I put it up here. But I love this because it shows a yoke here. There's truth on one side and there's lies on another. And it shows a chain where it's linked to the second heaven and, you know, when we study the Word of God, we learn about levels of heaven. There's the first heaven, which is this earth and its atmosphere. And then there's this second heaven, which Satan and all the, the evil spirits. Now, you may think, well, I don't believe in evil spirits. I don't believe in... The, do you believe in evil? Do you believe in good? Where do you think that comes from? There's evil. And Satan dwells in this second heaven. He's, he's the one who's got that little negative ghoul that's talking in your ear and telling you to do things and think things and think certain ways. He's in that second heaven. And then there's a third heaven where the heavenly father is, 
where God and Jesus and all the angelic hosts, they actually live. This is a dimension. It's a dimension. And through the word of God, we're able to move from this dimension to that dimension because the word says we're seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. We can actually defeat Satan from that dimension. All right, but what's neat about this is the bondage. What I wanted to bring out about this this vision, the bondage is when we are yoked with truth and lies. It's like a yoke is like what they put on oxen or horses and they're traveling and they're moving. Well, you got lies on one end and you got truth on one end. Remember I talked about the good seed and the bad seed, the tear, the wheat. When you have lies on one side and truth on another side, you just can't get very far. Because if the truth is trying to go forward, the lies are keeping you looking back. There's a scripture that says, uh, he who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. Because in the kingdom of God, we are being healed and we're moving forward. Stepping into a new way of thinking, a new life, right? So we have our souls. Our souls have been polluted with lies and they also have some truth. But through the spirit, which the spirit man is fed, the spirit man when he's fed by the word of God, because you may not understand the thing you're reading when you're reading the word of God. You may not get it, but when you read it, your spirit man is being fed. And as he grows, as that spirit grows, it begins to work through your soul and it, it annihilates the lies to where you can enter into kingdom life. And today is a beautiful, happy day. Right? Doing. Then your light will break out like the dawn. And your healing, your restoration, your new life will quickly spring forth. Your righteousness will go before you, leading you to peace and prosperity. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. I tell you, that right there is just an awesome scripture. You know? Because... The light breaking forth like new dawn, healing, restoration, righteousness, prosperity, all these things. We don't have to work it, right? We step into it. We're conveyed into the kingdom of God. The only thing that has to happen is the renewing of our soul. And then we are conveyed. Amen? Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you take away from your midst the yoke of oppression, take the yokes off your soul. Get rid of it. If you take away from your midst the yoke of oppression, the finger pointed in scorn toward the oppressed or the godly and every form of wicked, sinful, unjust speech, And if you offer yourself to assist hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like the midday. In other words, it'll be like a bright light day full of sunshine. Right? 
doing. Okay, this is just some information. It says the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation has published numerous studies showing that helping someone actually changes your body chemistry. Ten-year studies of 2,700 men found that those who did regular volunteer work had death rates two and a half times lower than those who didn't. 